Well, thank you, Irena. Irena's about to go on maternity leave. Um, she's the only one who's grateful that uh, Connect Festival's been cancelled because uh, that was when her due date was uh, to happen. Um, but we're sad because we're going to miss her as part of our uh, leadership team. She's been a great voice and a great help and asset to us as a team and a church. So every blessing to you, Irena, and maternity leave. Um, we appreciate all that you do. Thank you um, so much. And we're in John's Gospel Encounters with Jesus through the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 8 today, verses 1 to 11. And uh, if you look at this passage in the Bible, you'll see a little paragraph before um, that, that suggests whether this should have been included in the Scriptures or not. Two things really important is, uh, does it reflect um, the other Gospels and is it the kind of things that we see elsewhere? And also, is it in any of the other early manuscripts um, that would warrant it to be in Scripture? And there's another one of these actually in Mark 16, and you can have a look at that too. And actually, this particular passage has more um, in terms of continuity and is in the manuscript some. And so that's why we're going to preach from this this morning. Um, when I was growing up, one of the things I wanted to be, there were many, was a lifesaver. I loved the beach and uh, I, had, uh, I was brought up watching Baywatch. Um, so uh, there you get really. Uh, the, the kind of thrill of the rescue, the heat of the sun, of being on the beach, and uh, not to mention the slow motion kind of running of David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson and that whole story that came along that I wanted to be a lifesaver. Unfortunately, I grew up in Stroud in Gloucestershire where it's not near a beach. My nearest beach was an hour away, Western Supermire. Um, and the reality is, it was known more for its mud than I, its idyllic sands. Um, so I became a physiotherapist instead and a church leader, of course. So this story is about life saving. It's about a rescuer, the ultimate rescuer. And it's about someone in desperate need of a rescue and about a bunch of people who've given up life saving. <laughs> in fact, they're more adept at pushing people under I'm going to tell this story. I'm not going to read it from the Bible as such, but I'd encourage you to have a look at it. What's happening? Well, Jesus has come to the temple courts, as he often did, to talk and teach uh, the people. Uh, presumably a gathering had gotten around him. And then there was this kind of raucous in the, in, in the background. There's a group of people coming. It looks like they're pushing a woman um, kind of towards Jesus, who's upset and distraught and it seems like in anguish and pain and a lot of stern faces with a bunch of men and they bring this woman to Jesus these are Pharisees and teachers of the law and they bring this woman and they stand her before Jesus and they say to him this woman was caught in adultery that's how we found her and now we're bringing her to you why because the law Moses commanded that a woman like this should be stoned and they said to Jesus, what do you think? They wanted to trick him. They wanted to trap him with this question. And that's how we encounter this story. Let me help you with what's within this bit already. Um, there's a problem here, and then later there'll be a solution. Um, so what's the problem? The problem here is sin. Sin is the blight of the human condition it's our bent if you like away from God as we're born 
and to do our own thing and the selfish kind of heart that we have um, as, uh, as we grow and kind of want to be Lord of our lives and ignore God and his ways. It's not just a social disorder. It's it offends God. Some of the stuff that we do and some of the things we don't do when we probably should have done them offend God in his holiness. And in this passage, there's two types of sin. The first one, sins of the flesh. These are like the juicy ones, I suppose. They're kind of external, often more public. You can see them. And this is the woman here caught in adultery. Ooh, gasp, ah, shock, horror. Can indulge in our intrigues, can't it, sometimes, and unhelpfully satisfy a taste for sand scandal when we hear of something like this. But let's think of the woman for a moment. This hadn't happened just like that. This had happened over time, presumably. She'd met someone and he cared for her. He kind of gave her attention and they met again and they become close. And then there was this physical moment of which she got caught. We can hide our sin like these, can't we? Keep them in the dark. We can lie to cover them up and we can be in trouble because of them and despairing inside. And this kind of sin always leads to other kind of sins. And if we're honest, we're, we're not living well. It's not life. It feels more like we're dying. The Bible backs this, backs this up, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. That's the old outcome of sin, both like now in our bodies as we're slaves to sin in that way. But also, ultimately, if we don't have a way of dealing with that sin before God, then we go to an eternal death without him. Well, this is all pretty full on this morning, but suffice to say, maybe you relate to the woman in this story today. But let's not miss the other sins. They're equally crippling. They are sins of the spirit, often inside can also be hidden, but in a different way. These are sins of pride and selfishness, judgmentalism and envy, self-righteousness and superiority. See, the men around Jesus seem to think that it was all right to love God and his word and his law, but to despise people. They were so wrapped up in their own lives. They they didn't care about this woman's guilt or her fear or, or the shame or the humiliation. They just wanted to trap Jesus and to see her get what she deserved. These men came with metaphorical stones like this one in their hands, ready to condemn and to judge. You know, it's easy to pick up stones through life, isn't it? It's one of the things that I've had to deal with in my own life, the kind of quick to judge and be critical. Just go through life, uh, someone's marriage is in a bad way, you've picked up a stone. Someone's kid's a bit unruly and you've judged their parenting methods. Someone's worship is different to yours and you're quick to call it out. Someone's stuttering prayer and you think, oh, I can pray so much better. These stones may be highly polished like this one, but in hands of humans, they will kill 
nonetheless. So maybe you identify with the men in this story. You've got stones that you're carrying in this life. Well, what's Jesus doing all this time? Well, apparently he's bent down writing in the sand. What's he writing? Well, the speculation, yes, of course, the Ten Commandments, maybe the pride, sins of those. He's writing the sins of those men around him. Maybe he's just doodling and needs more time to think about what he needs to say. Well, I don't know. Probably not that one. I think if anyone needs time, it's the men to reflect on what they're doing. And obviously the woman who's been standing there all this time waiting for the outcome from here on in. What we do know is that when we encounter Jesus in the presence of Jesus, stuff happens. And what's happening here is that sin is being brought out into the light. In Hebrews 4, 14, it says, everything is going to be uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of the one to whom we must give an account. One day, everything will be out in the open. The encouragement here is to bring it out sooner to deal with it. I'm so glad the woman's sin got to Jesus in this moment. But if she'd have confessed earlier, oh, she would have she would have had less humiliation, less public display, and the trauma wouldn't have been half so bad. You know, her destiny is lying in Jesus' hands, so is ours. He has a solution for sinners. And we're going to find out about that in the second half of this message. But first, let's hear from Martin, who identifies something like the men in this group. Let's hear of his story where he encountered Jesus and something of his grace. I was a Christian for almost 30 years before coming to Citygate Church. Although I knew in my heart that Citygate was my new spiritual home, it was quite a, a difficult transition from where I had come from into the free-flowingness during the service. A problem I have is being very observant, which seems a good thing, but I also see things that maybe others don't see, which can then cause me to have a critical spirit, which I don't like. I hadn't realised how tied up I had become over the years with legalism. It caused me to feel self-righteous when I saw some of the things others were doing in the freedom in Christ, but I didn't like the feelings. I struggled with these awful feelings for a few years. I could not seem to shift them. My problem was at that time, I didn't know the full extent of the Father's love for me. Over time, others saw my need and prayed for me to know the Father's love in my life. In November last year, I was given a word by a young woman within the church. She told me that there was a gift of full acceptance for me today. A deeper measure of the Father's love for me today. After praying into this word, finally, I realised the Father's arms were open wide for me, his love undying, immeasurable. No matter what I do or do not do, I know that Father God's love for me is everlasting. I don't have to achieve or maintain a certain standard in my life. He loves me regardless. Praise his name.
Well, thank you, Martin. That's uh, so helpful. A real life example of the story that we're looking at today. So where did we get to? Well, Jesus would bend down. He was doodling in the sand. And here we go towards the solution that Jesus is about to speak. And it revolves around two things. It's grace and it's truth. This was an encounter all about grace. Jesus addresses these two groups in turn. He first speaks to the men. He says, therefore, let anyone of you, speaking to the men who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Boom. What a great answer. I wish I could come up with such wisdom at such moments. This was Jesus's response to them. What's he saying? He's saying, go on then, off you go. Judge, condemn, go for it. But remember, fallen people are in no position to throw stones. Broken people have no right to throw stones. He's hinting here at the the great theme of grace in the gospel and in the Bible. It is not because of what we have done. It's not how religious they are. It's not how much they know. It's not their performance on the outside that matters. It's their heart on the inside. And the fact is that none of us have rights. None of us have uh, even the the, the opportunity to live without God's grace, who gives us another breath so that we can live another moment on his earth that he made for us to enjoy. (laughs) We're saved our grace. We come into a relationship because of God and what he has done for us, not what we do for him. You see, these condemners, they are challenged to the core on this one sentence. He has called out their sins and they have no leg, as it were, to stand on. And then this incredible thing starts to happen if they were carrying stones like these ones with the Bible doesn't tell us whether they are or not then presumably they would have started to drop their stones they would have you would have just heard the sound of stones dropping onto the floor and the Bible says that one by one they turned and they walked away the oldest ones first perhaps the wisest perhaps the ones who were quicker to realise their own inadequacy in front of Jesus, to realise the error of their ways, the younger, more zealous, taking longer, wanting to stick it out and press through, but having no ability to outmanoeuvre the Son of God, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, there's no room in God's eyes or God's community for stone throwing. You know, the... The women like this in this story and so many others who were broken ran to Jesus in his day. But today, so many of those kind of people run from the church and run from his followers. Why? Because of the stone throwing, the hypocrisy and the judgmentalism that they sometimes encounter. Friends, in our culture of honour, we want to produce a community that is like Jesus in this story. What would it be like if we had a community where no one picked up a stone? That's the kind of community 
we're going for here. So with the men dealt with, as it were, from Jesus's perspective, he turns to the woman and he says these words. All this time she's been standing there waiting for her judgment, I suppose. What will happen to her? He says this. He says, where are all the stone throwers? Jesus sees the darkness, yet he continues to love. Verse 10, has no one condemned you? You can imagine the the woman kind of looking around. No one left standing her to accuse her. No one left to condemn. What a weight, what relief, what beauty she had seen in the eyes of Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, if no one else has condemned you, and she says, there's no one, sir. And he says, neither do I. Jesus, the sinless saviour. If anyone had a right to throw a stone, it was him. He leads with mercy and compassion. And he brings this sense of acceptance and completeness to the woman right there, right then, in that moment. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 tells us. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was on his way to the cross where he would complete the act, the saving act for everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus, who needed a rescue and needed his grace. You know, so many people think that God's just waiting up there with a big stick to beat them down when they do something wrong. No, there is no condemnation. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn, but to reach, to bring acceptance, to bring love, to bring mercy and kindness and grace so that lost and broken people like me and you could come into relationship with him and know the Father. What do we bring? What did the woman bring to this story? She brought her broken life. (laughs) You know, the other thing about grace is that so often we try to clean ourselves up before we come to God. We try to save ourselves, as it were, to get right enough for God. But the reality is, God takes us just as we are. He's the cleaner. He's the potter. We're the clay. He mends. He fixes. He restores. He redeems. That's his job. Ours is to come and say, I need a saviour. I need to be rescued. I need grace. This is the gospel. It's this kind of element of the gospel. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that sets it apart from every other faith. Every other faith says work, 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 do things to get to God. And yet Jesus came to us and he came to this woman in this moment. It was a grace in action moment. It's it's getting what we don't deserve. She deserved to be stoned, they said, in the law. And in some ways they were right. She deserved death, but she got life. She got a second chance. She got let off. She got God's riches. She got goods, God's goodness. She got good, God's best. All of that at Christ's extent. He was the one who died. 
so that we could have life. He took our sin so that we didn't have to, that we could be free in him and our sins could be in Christ, could be swept away like the words that he was writing in the sand, washed away by the tide of his love that make a clean slate for those that call upon his name. So that's it then. Christ has done it. We get all the benefits and therefore we can do whatever we like, right? From that point on, we are saved by grace and then we can do whatever we like. Well, not quite. There's a final word in this story. And it talks about truth. It's grace and it's truth. You see, Jesus fulfills the law. He upholds the law because he was going to pay the penalty for this woman's sin. He was going to be the judge, not the men with the stones. One day for all of us. He says one final thing to her. He looks into her eyes, having set her free from her accusers. And he says, go now and leave this life of sin. Leave your life of sin behind you. He says, you can have all this. You can have this, what you've seen in me, grace and, and, and love and mercy, but you can't keep doing that. You can have truth or you can have these lies. You can have this freedom or you can be a slave to sin. You can have life or you can have death. You can have me, says Jesus, or you can have your old life. You can't mix the two. These words fill her with pain. And she knows that he knows all about her past. But listen to this. In the face of grace, sin is put in its place. She was given a revelation of something far better to live for. And those sinful actions and lives pale into insignificance in terms of what it is to know Christ and to know what he has done in order that we can have the freedom that we now live in. The revelation in this story for this woman of grace and truth. Friends, don't walk away shamed like the Pharisees, but walk saved with an encounter with Jesus. Walk away saved like the woman. I wonder if we could just respond in prayer for a moment. Maybe you need to confess your sin this morning. Maybe you've been hiding it and the truth for you is that there is no condemnation. No one. You can come to Jesus and in his grace he forgives your sin. Maybe you've been holding stones. Critical spirit. Judging others. When you let them drop right now in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's here. And he's working in and through us. Father, help us to encounter you through your spirit. In Jesus' name. You need to confess, just speak it out right now. Let him come and fill you again with his love and mercy and grace. Look into the, the face of grace. 
allow the Holy Spirit to take the pleasures of sin out of your mind and to give you the, the pleasure of life in God in a greater way. Maybe right now you're having a grace awakening. You've known legalism, you've known rules, and you've known doing it right all your life. In this moment, Holy Spirit, you awaken people to the grace of God. And finally, maybe you're going to encounter Jesus in a way that's going to completely transform your life. To take away your sins once and for all and become a Christian and live a life in him. This, I pray, would be the case. Please feel free to get prayer into our prayer room. And let's revel, shall we, in God's grace and in his truth. Let's put aside sin and live in the freedom that he has won for us. Bless you.